What's the one thing we all have in common? Well, maybe it's two. We need to eat and we want to enjoy it. But what if we lived in a community where eating healthy and local is possible for everyone? Well, the good news is that we do live there and that it is possible for everyone. The Chef Farm and Fork podcast will teach you how to pick peak seasonal ingredients to make delicious, uncomplicated dishes so that you can eat well while supporting local when it's available, which is more often than you think. We can't wait for you to get to know some of our favorite farmers, ranchers, artisans, and small business friends. Click the subscribe button now to join us in our adventures in community and gastronomy. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to having some great conversations with two non-traditional growers. The first is Tim from Living Springs Microgreens, and the second, I'm going to be interviewing two people, Kylie and Monica from Fortis Farms. Both of these businesses are unique in that they utilize non-traditional farming methods. Tim from Living Springs grows microgreens on coconut mats. Kylie and Monica from Fortis Farms grow in aeroponic gardens. They also have a traditional garden bed, but the aeroponics is what they're really focused on. I know I'm going to learn a lot from talking to these three folks today, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say. I hope you enjoy it as well. I'm here with Tim Ernst of Living Springs Microgreens. Tim, how are you doing today? Good evening. Very, very well. We've uh, had an exciting week in the world of microgreens. Yes, it was a great time at the farmer's market, and you even had some uh, new business relations this week, huh? Right, right. New new folks are discovering microgreens. This uh, COVID-19 disease has actually inspired folks to think a little bit harder about nutrition and what their body needs in order to truly give themselves a fighting chance against any disease, not just COVID-19, but just to keep themselves healthy. We, we all live in a sea of viruses and bacteria, some good for us and some not so good. What really keeps us healthy is our immune system. You know, we can't really depend on inoculations to, to save us uh, from every single disease that comes along. But we can depend on a really strong immune system. And Chef, that's what I wanted to really talk to you about today is microgreens and what's going on with these little things. <laughs> How do we grow them and what do they do for you? And we have back on, backing up with research from University of Maryland, Dr. Wang, all kinds of fun things to talk about uh, so that your listeners truly understand how to keep their family healthy and it tastes good. Absolutely. Well, let's start with some of the basics here because actually since your debut at the drive through market, now you were a vendor last year with the Warrington Farmers Market, but this market's a little different. Since we did debut that market, you have had a lot of questions coming in about microgreens and some of them are actually coming across our chef farm and fork page. My friends at the Warrington Farmer's Market told me they're getting some questions about microgreens on yes. their Facebook page. So right. let's start by talking about what exactly is a microgreen. Well, Chef, 24 months ago, if you would have said microgreen, I would have said a micro what? <laughs> uh, I, 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 had, I had no idea what was going on. I spent over 30 years in the medical field. I'm no doctor. But I was in the transplant field. I'm the guy with the cooler that would fly along with the doctor and go and get a heart or, or and, and bring it back for a transplant. So I've been involved in medicine and chasing disease, you know, trying to fix people who are already sick. And my, my oldest son's a doctor, and he said, Dad, stop chasing disease. Get in front of it. Prevent it with nutrition. And I says, nutrition? How? And he says, well, old man, microgreens. Uh, he says, it's the best way to Boost your body's immune system so that you're not going to need to be fixed later on. And I did the research. I read multiple different university uh, research papers about it. And the kid was right. 
that this is a process where we take organic seeds and I plant them on coconut fiber pads that are organic coconut fiber pads. They're steam sterilized. We put these seeds inside of a food safe plastic pan and cover them with for four days within the dark. Every day I take the lid off, I check them, I spray them with pure purified clean water. I even take my water and put it through an ultraviolet light to make sure that it is clean, clean, clean. And uh, and then put the lid back on, and we do that for four days straight, and those little seeds sprout. Remember the sprouts back in the 80s? You know, we always had our sprouts on our sandwiches and on our salads. Then they, they grow up, and they put uh, two little leaves out and a stem. And that next phase of growth after having to sprout is called the microgreen phase. Dr. Wang, University of Maryland, in conjunction with the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, said, okay, well, okay, folks, what's the most nutritious time to eat a plant? Is it just to eat seeds or is it to eat sprouts, that first little white stem that comes out of a seed? Or the next phase of growth is the microgreen. Is that the best place? Or the next phase, like baby baby spinach, you know, that's the next phase of growth for a plant. Or the adult plant, like you get adult florets of broccoli in the, in the grocery store. So there's all these phases of growth of a plant. U.S. Department of Agriculture said, well, okay, when's the best, most nutritious time to, to eat this stuff? So Dr. Wang took her team and processed all these different plants at different stages of growth and measured them and said, okay, where's the most nutrition? And the evidence became very clear that the, the microgreen phase of growth is when the seed has taken all of its nutrition, combined it with some sunlight, photosynthesis, and bow, it's, it's packed with the most nutrition of any time during the plant's life when it is at this microgreen phase. So that's why microgreens have become so popular, and amazingly so, when the plant makes it the most nutritious, it also has the most flavor. I don't know if you've ever seen a deer walking through the woods with his nose rustling around the leaves. And he's literally scooting away the leaves, looking for the microgreens, the very first sprouts with some light on them when the seeds come up through the leaf mulch in the ground. So even the animals truly understand uh, when's the most nutritious time to, to eat things. And plus, it probably tastes good to them. So that's a quick summary of microgreens. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, it's really, really interesting what you can learn from nature, huh? Oh, yes. Just watch the animals and they'll tell you what's the best way to to eat. Yeah. Well, I think it's really great that you are so interested in educating people about this and the fact that you are able to cite evidence-based studies because we are bombarded with a lot of information about, quote unquote, nutrition. And it's not always backed up by science. So it's really nice to hear that when you speak to people at the farmer's markets and when you're out and about, that you can cite things for people to read so they can go investigate themselves. And I think people value that these days. So thank you for providing all that information. I, I would not have started in this down this road if I wasn't absolutely confident that I had read the studies understood what they said, found other studies that reconfirmed it so that uh, I was confident that what I was sharing with people would be the best thing for their family because I'm looking for what's best for my family. So I'm, I'm just as invested in having good nutrition for my kids and my bride as I am and, and me, <laughs> as, I, as I am for, for, for my customers. So I wanted to make sure that I could look every customer in the eye and have absolute confidence that you know, we're, we're providing them with the best food possible. Absolutely. And these days, it's really important that the food that you're eating is functional food because there's a lot of non-functional kind of uh, fillers out there. And I think that we can get great nutrition and great flavors from things that are natural. I really believe in what you're doing here. So I'm sitting in front of a plant stand right now, and my plant stand has two plates on it that have a little lip and on my plates I have sections of coconut mat that you have sold me that have microgreens on top that are growing out of the coconut mat that you described right 
am I doing this right? Am I treating these right? You know, they're still alive. So I want to make sure that when I bring them home, I can keep them healthy and happy until I'm ready to eat them. Am am I doing the right thing here? I got a little bit of water in the bottom of my dish and then I just set that coconut mat on top. Exactly. And let's back up five seconds and talk about what's the one thing that will kill microgreens the fastest and that is not watering them. <laughs> and the second thing <laughs> that will kill the microgreens the next fastest is mold. Okay. So it, watering them, like you say, from the bottom, putting a, a if you if you look underneath that peak, underneath that coconut pad, okay. you'll see a network of wonderful, oh. pretty little roots. Lots of little roots. And those are sitting down. So you put a, a, a little, you know, several tablespoons, quarter cup of water in the bottom of a dish. My bride says, well, honey, it's a pretty plant. Put it on a pretty plate. So on our kitchen counter, we have multiple pretty plates. And, uh, <laughs> and, and each pretty plate has its own little microgreen. And we like to keep them on the kitchen counter so that when I get my little hungries and I am a big nibbler, that I'll go by and I'll grab a hunk of broccoli. I'll grab a couple of sprigs of uh, pea shoots. That, that have massive amount of taste. If I've got a sweet tooth and, I've, and I'm like, gosh, I've got to have something sweet to, to cleanse my palate, I'll go over to the fennel and I'll grab a bunch of, uh, you know, six or eight little fennel sprigs of microgreen and munch on them. And, and all of a sudden, it's just wonderful satisfaction for my sweet tooth. So, uh, yes, you're doing the right thing by watering it from the bottom. If you sprinkle water on top, you're much more likely to, to generate a mold kind of a situation where they'll, they'll mold down on you. But if you keep the water in the bottom of the plate, you don't have to drown it. Just a nice little puddle where the roots sit in the puddle and drink up that water all day and grow. You don't have to have them in direct sunlight. Now that they do okay in direct sunlight, but that means they're going to be drinking heavily and you got to keep up with them. But if you just put them on the kitchen counter in ambient sunlight, they will last five to seven days once you get them home. So the seed has got enough power and enough energy and enough nutrition to get it up to this first stem and those first two leaves, up to the microgreen. But after that, it's only got enough energy left in the seed to keep it going that strong for about five to seven days. Now, just to give listeners a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about here t- time frame wise mm-hmm. I saw you on Saturday... And it is now Monday. So it's been about three days and well, two days, almost three. And my microgreens have shot up Uh about, I want to say a couple centimeters from the time I saw you until now. Is that normal? That's normal. They are living plants. They are going to continue to grow. Now, some folks with cats, because like, for example, broccoli or peas, Cats love broccoli and peas, and some dogs do too. Um, and they'll get up on your kitchen counter and just munch it up. <laughs> um, and so some folks uh, want to slow down the growth of the microgreens, so they'll put it into like a Tupperware container and put it in the the crisper in their uh, in their refrigerator. And and that will it will slow down the growth. Will keep them from growing quite as fast and extend the life a little bit, maybe up to ten days, fourteen days if you're lucky. Wow. Um, but, uh, but you know, the real trick with microgreens is that I deliver it to you at its peak. It's at its peak nutrition. It's at its peak flavor. It is, it is right where you want it to be. And the trick is to go ahead and eat that microgreen soon after you, you receive it. If you see a microgreen starting to kind of wilt, kind of, you know, not quite as bright green, maybe a little bit of yellow, maybe it's starting to fade over a little bit on the side cut it off eat it in a salad or a sandwich or put it on a soup that day or sometimes i'll just grab out the blender and it's smoothie time and and we'll pop them into a smoothie and just have a, a wonderful big microgreen smoothie and finish them off and that way the nutrition is in your body at the peak time and i'm talking about serious nutrition so like those little peas that you have on your kitchen counter right now, they're going to grow a quarter to a half inch a day. And the pea, like you get a can of peas at the grocery store. Well, that can of peas has good nutrition. And Dr. Wang measured that. But if, if you eat the microgreen shoots that, that pop up, 
it's four times more nutritious than if you ate the uh, the regular peas in the can at the grocery store. So living food, not food that's dead, that's cut, that's been canned, or even that's been sitting on the counter in the in the grocery store for a week or so. But this is living food you snip at home and you eat it as you need it, and uh, and that really gives you the maximum nutrition and the and the maximum flavor. Well, one thing that I think is really cool about these microgreens is that at a time when, well, you know, just to give some people context, we are in Northern Virginia and our growing season is not like the growing season of say some parts of California or Florida and microgreens are available all year long. So even when there's no farmer's market, people can call you and place an order, right? Exactly. I even have clients who are cancer patients and they didn't, they demanded that I continue to grow broccoli for them because this is what their doctors are literally prescribing them is the microgreen broccoli that's so concentrated with the sulfur contents in it that help their body fight the cancer. So uh, they demanded that I continue to grow for them. I met them at Warrington Aquatic Recreation Center called The Wharf up here in town and would every Wednesday meet clients there and, and provide them from broccoli and peas and all kinds of other microgreens because they needed that fresh, nutritious food to take care of their bodies, to fight the disease. Yeah. Well, I know they appreciated that because I'll sure appreciate anything that I can buy that's local, fresh and green in the middle of winter. Right. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the different varieties that you grow. And let me start by telling folks what I picked up from you at the market. If some may already know, because, you know, we did a video at the market and I've got pea shoots here and then I've got leeks and I have radish. Now the radish is beautiful because it's two colors. There's like a really deep, purple like a dark eggplant color and then the other color is just this beautiful vibrant green they almost look like cute little two-leaf clovers but with red stems i don't know if you know red stems we we call them china rose and the purple we call them rambo radish and the the rambo radish i specifically chose because it has a darker color and that means it has phytonutrients phyto is plant plant nutrition which uh, has more antioxidant power to it because it's of a darker color. I also grow other kinds of berries. So I grow an aronia berry, which is packed with antioxidants. The darker color microgreens I specifically grow. When I, when I provide you with basil, I will always grow you purple basil because it's packed with more antioxidants, which helps the body fight disease. You are looking to some of the nutrition cues there when you make your selections and when you order your seeds. I'm, I'm like a medicine man that grows microgreens. Right. <laughs> I think we call that produce prescription, right? <laughs> oh, I, that's a new one. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, I learned a new word today. Thank you. Talk about the leeks a little bit because the leeks are really versatile and they've been right. one of my favorite microgreen to purchase from you the leeks are tough they'll last a little bit longer than the average microgreen on your kitchen counter but they're also uh, kind of an oniony combined onion garlic kind of a flavor with a real bright green kind of a edge to them so it's just so alive i have one chef in the area that won't do an egg dish for breakfast without the leeks on them and so, you know, everybody's very excited about having their, their leeks for breakfast on, the, on their egg dishes and on their egg sandwiches. Another one likes to put the leeks on his salad. I have another chef that um, takes the leeks and puts them on her hamburgers. And I have Rappahannock Pizza Kitchen. He makes sure that every client has a bowl of leeks that's fresh cut straight off the pad leeks and puts it on the table with the pizza. And people reach over and grab the leeks and sprinkle them on their piece of pizza as they eat the pizza. Oh. It, is, it is that much flavor. So, so he pulls that pizza out of a, a stone-baked oven and then sprinkles the leeks on top 
and you so you don't cook the, the leek. If you cook it, you start losing some of the flavor, and you lose once it hits 105 degrees, you start losing some of the nutrition. So uh, Chef Aaron over there at Rappahannock Pizza Kitchen understands the nutrition, understands the flavor, and he, he uses his microgreens just at the right time onto your food so that you get peak nutrition and peak flavor. Well, thank you for those tips. I think that's really important because we don't want to destroy the nutrition that they hold right. in the cooking process. So we want to retain all of that. And then let me just ask you something about these radishes that I have here. I'm looking at those and they are different looking towards the bottom of the stem. I see some kind of like a little bit of like white fuzz and it's, I I can tell it's not mold. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what what that is? What is that? Right. (laughs) And, And more folks have thrown that away. I try to try to make sure that I give them a little bit of a, of an intro to to microgreens before they walk away from my booth, and that is at the where the where the seed is sending up the shoot. It often sends up little shoots that are feathery like projections, and and they call them root hairs. And these little root hairs, if you take a little squirt bottle with cold water on them and you squirt them, you'll watch them contract back. They're they're very living and very very uh, alive and move with amazing speed. Um, so it's a part of the plant. It is healthy for you. You can eat the root hairs with no problem whatsoever. It is actually nutritious for you, but it's not mold. It's a, it's just a way that the plant is reaching out, trying to get extra water. Uh, so it reaches out with those root hairs and, and attaches into the coconut fibers and is drinking up, uh, extra water. Uh, but if you do see mold, uh, it's more of a, a slimy kind of a look uh, every once in a while. Like I say, mold is the great one of the one of the greatest killers of microgreens, next to not watering them. <laughs> yeah, and that if you have the, if you see the mold, the top of the plant is still safe and and good to eat. And I recommend folks just grab hold of the top two leaves and the stem and snip it off, uh, rinse it off in a colander if you want to. Go ahead and eat at that moment or put it into a little plastic container and throw it in the fridge and, and eat it within the next two days or so. And, and that will make sure that you get the, all the nutrition and all the flavor and not waste a great resource because mold down at the bottom doesn't mean that the leaves at the top have been tainted or would be bad for you in any way, but you, the mold will kill the microgreens really quickly, like by the next day. Okay. So there is a difference between mold and root hairs. It, I literally try to have folks at my booth come over and I say, okay, these are the root hairs. And then I'll try to show them an area uh, on a pad that has, has problems and say, this is what mold looks like. So, so they, they understand the difference between the two. But as a whole, most folks have it consumed within three or four days. And there's not time for mold to develop. <laughs> it, it gets eaten. Yep. Well, I know that for a fact <laughs> because we can yeah. go through these pretty quickly. Now, the pea shoots that I have here, I love to just trim these. And then what I do, and, and I don't know if this is something you do at home too, but I'll make kind of like a pho broth with them. Oh, yes. And yes. then I don't serve it piping hot, but I serve it warm. And just at the last minute before I serve it, I'll toss a handful of these pea shoots in. Right. And they they almost act like instead of having a noodle or in addition to a noodle, but, you know, they're nice and long. So you can kind of enjoy them the same way that you enjoy a noodle when they wilt a little bit. Right. Or some folks aren't into this slurping of, of food and they're more dainty. So I have a sister that's more dainty. So for her, I cut the, the, the pea shoots into a little half inch length. Uh, so kids, kids have a blast with these pea shoots. We, we even have soccer moms that have discovered the pea shoot and they bring, they come over to my booth and grab boxes of these pea shoots. And on Saturday afternoon, they go to the soccer game, and then at halftime, instead of handing the kids cookies and sugar and things like that, they open these boxes of pea shoots, and these little boys and girls grab a handful of pea shoots and gobble them down. I can attest to that because, you know, I do 
some programming at the farmer's market on our kids days and you have generously shared microgreens with us on a couple occasions and the kids just are enamored with the pea shoot and I think part of it is because you know they can see the pea that's acting as the seed and then they can see the root and they can see the leaves and they say what can I eat on this I'm like well almost the whole thing so what part of the pea shoot can you eat everything the whole thing? <laughs> um, but m- most kids really love the very very top it's the top two leaves and the little curly cue things that are on top of it mm-hmm. because it's the sweetest the root and the actual seed itself does have a sweetness to it but it's a, just a, a just an edge of bitter to it and i find most adults really like the uh especially guys they they really like eating the root and the bottom for example uh, if I have a European client come to my booth, um, they will almost 95% of the time eat the pea seed itself and the root. Wow. Whereas the Americans will almost always break off the root and the pea, toss it in the uh, in the grass and, and eat the, the, the pea shoot only, you know, the, the top little green part. So uh, difference in cultures. But it truly is is good for your gut flora to eat the root, to eat the seed. You know, it, it, it adds to the microorganisms that you need in your gut in order to keep your gut healthy. Some folks are quoting these days that 80% of your immune system really originates in your gut flora, in your intestines. Uh, and this is the kind of food that will spike up the gut flora that you need. So I'm no stranger to microgreens because I am a chef, but (laughs) I just now for the very first time since I've been eating microgreens and for the very first time since I've known you, I just popped an entire pea shoot in my mouth. So I'm sorry if you heard me crunching a little bit while you were talking, but you are right. These little peas are just so sweet. They're a great texture and they're fun to eat. (laughs) Right, right. And and uh, it's my European clients that really convinced me to to eat eat the whole eat the whole thing, and and you'd be amazed how many kids will just crunch down the the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I have had children come to my booth, and I'll hand them a, a full seed and pea shoot together, and say, "Here, here's your pet pea. You can take it home and plant it." And while they're standing there, and mom's saying, "What is it you just handed my child?" They're watching their child eat this entire pea. <laughs> um, and, and, and the mom will look down at this child and look up at me and say, this child has never eaten anything green. <laughs> and she'll look down at the baby and say, did you like that? And they say, uh-huh. And so mama will say, give me a box. Um, <laughs> b- because, you know, anytime she can get a healthy, nutritious purely grown food into her children then it's a win-win we all win well and kids love baby vegetables of any kind and i think the fact that the peas are a little bit sweet they're a little more mild they make an excellent choice for for children absolutely what's your favorite variety of microgreen depends on my mood that day um you know i've been fighting this extra 20 pounds it's a yo-yo i gain it i lose it i gain it i lose it it's just a never-ending battle after you get over 50 so uh i uh, i love to take a little pad of fennel out on my back deck and watch the sunset and instead of having my normal apple pie and ice cream that i love and i grew up with you know uh, I, I nibble on fennel and watch the sunset and have a nice drink. That helps to ease up that craving for something sweet at the end of the day. I, I have a great time with sunflowers. It's crunchy. It's got a unique flavor. Like it's even even different from the sunflower, you know, the dried sunflower seeds mm-hmm. that you you get. Oh, and my wife is it demands that I grow sunflowers every week. Cilantro. I used to only use it on Taco Tuesday, and then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, it makes every salad have a, a lemony kind of an edge to it, and then it, it, it brightens the flavor of the salad. So I've been putting a little bit of fennel and a little bit of cilantro into almost all of my salads. Wow. Chef Natalie, I didn't realize how little flavor my life had until my kid convinced me to start <laughs> growing microgreens. Uh, 
So I'm having a great time. It's it's a kid in a candy shop, but he's he's an old man with a white beard and a big tummy and goes ho ho ho. But it's that's me. I'm just having a blast with life right now. I kind of feel guilty, you know. Should you really have this much fun with your job? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the dream, right? I think when we see each other at market, I'm doing my programming, and right. you're doing, you know, your education with customers. We're always having a good time, so. You're pretty lucky. Tim, thank you so much for giving us all of this information about microgreens, how to use them, what they are, and the troubleshooting, what we need to look for when our microgreens are in peak condition here, and what we need to look for if maybe they're not doing so well and how we can still take advantage of their nutrition if they're kind of on their way out. Can you tell our listeners what the best way to go about ordering from you is and what markets or retail locations they can find your product at? Right now, uh, with with the COVID-19 issues, I, I don't have these um, microgreens. Well, I do have them in one cafe up in uh, Haymarket, a little spot called Hidden Jewels in Haymarket. Chef Aaron up there really believes in the nutrition and the freshness of the microgreens. So he has them there in a display case. And he sells boxes of microgreens to folks. And they are my microgreens that I've grown for him. And every Tuesday and every Friday, I restock him. And he's up there, uh, you know, uh, putting the microgreens on his, uh, his dishes. Plus, he will go ahead and send you home with a box of them. So it's a, it's, a, it's a quick and easy way that if you need to just drop in and grab some. I do have a website, uh, livingspringsmicrogreens.com. And you can go on that and take a look at the pictures of microgreens and, and have a little bit more of a story of, of what we go on and, and the nutrition and, and some links that help you understand what's going on. Um, I've had a little bit of a problem of folks that are emailing through the website. But if you just go ahead and, and my web my email is there, uh, and, and if you want to request a, a box of microgreens to be pre-ordered for this coming Saturday, you know, while we're in this uh, quarantine process and we're doing drive-by farmers markets, uh, you can request a, a box. A small box is five dollars. A large box is ten dollars. Maybe maybe you're a beginner in microgreens and you really want to just kind of play with them and try them. So, you know, uh, just let me know and, and we'll order you a large box and we'll put three different varieties in there. We'll put a little bit of broccoli for the intensity of nutrition of the broccoli and the flavor, a little bit of peas in there so you can have a, a pl- fun time playing with them. And then a little bit of leeks or a little bit of radish. And uh, and that way you get a, a little zip of flavor. You know, we can do we can do whatever kind of combinations that you want to so that you can have a small amount and play with it through the week. We are hoping that once this COVID virus quarantine is over, then you can come to my booth at the Warrington Farmer's Market Saturday mornings between 8 a.m. and noon, and and I'll take you through a tasting. I'll have multiple different kinds of microgreens, and it's kind of like a, a wine tasting. I take you from the gentle flavors up to the more robust flavors, because if I let you taste a leek, You'll never taste the broccoli. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a wine tasting. So, uh, so we walk through that, and that really allows um, my clients to, to have a good feel for it. We'll talk about you know, the care of the microgreens and, and, uh, and, and what you can do and how to use them in your cooking. Uh, it's just an awful lot of fun. We have a great time at my booth. Look for the big, bright yellow tent. It's the most obnoxious bright yellow t- tent in all of Warrington. Uh, and, a, and a fat man with a white beard and a yellow apron. Oh, uh, now they're not going to recognize you if you tell them that. But do look and, for uh, the tent. Look for the tent, uh, the blue tablecloths, and uh, and come on by, and and we'll have a great time, and you know, educate everybody on on the different kinds of microgreens. But in the meantime, you know, give us give me a call. My my telephone number's on the uh, Facebook page. My telephone's on Instagram. My telephone number's on the website uh, in the Warrington Farmer's Market. Uh, we have a link in there. We have just a thousand different ways that we, you and I can get in contact 
and make sure that your family gets good nutrition. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Tim. You've done a lot of Mm -hmm. great education here for our listeners. And I just want to leave them with one idea on what to do with your microgreens because I did this mm, last summer or early fall Mm -hmm. and got a really great response. Potato salad. These are great folded into a potato salad. The radish adds a little spicy kick and the leeks give that yummy kind of garlicky onion flavor. And what else would you recommend in combination with that? Without a doubt, the first thing that popped in my mind was celery. Uh, I I never would have grown this celery until a chef up in uh, Vent Hill, Chef Matt said, Tim, I've got to have celery. I'm going to do I'm going to do a chicken salad, a tuna salad, and a potato salad, and I need your celery. And I said, really? You want me to grow that for you? And oh, yes, this is what it takes. And so I grew this celery and realized it is celery on steroids. Oh, it is delicious. I think you did give some to me that time I made that batch of potato salad. Right. And you sprinkle that on to any kind of a salad and it just lights it up with wonderful flavor. We have more fun. And you would be amazed that how if you eat fennel by itself, it's more like black licorice. And you think, oh, okay, black licorice tastes, um, you know, but when you mix it in with a little bit of leek and a little bit of radish and a little bit of celery and then a little bit of fennel, the depth of flavor that comes through is just surprising. You chefs are really teaching me wonderful things about the palate and the human ability to taste. But then when you, what happens when you combine all these little bit of bitter and a little bit of sweet and a, oh, oh, it's just, it's just more fun. Um, so excuse me, I'm a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I get talking. We could go on um, all day together. I think, you know, we spend most of our time talking about what to do with these. And so I'm hoping that shoppers at the market are going to take advantage of that when they see you. Good, good. And, and, and we'll have a good time. And, and if you go to a restaurant and, uh, and they're, they're serving you, always feel free to ask them, hey, can you, can you garnish this with some microgreens? Add some flavor to it. Add some nutrition to it. Pump it up. Uh, and, and that's what I do is whenever I go into a pizza shop, I tell them, Whoa, wait a minute. There's no microgreens on this. <laughs> and they said, Oh, well, we got them in the back, you know? Um, so, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to, to add nutrition to your family and then to add a little special flavor to it. Well, Tim, Good. thank you so much. And thank you for your leadership and, in, in, uh, in the world of food in Warrington, Virginia. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, chef. Hi, Chef Natalie here. Words cannot describe how much I appreciate your support. This is a pro bono passion project that I started to spread the stories about our local food and the people who work hard to make it available to our community. If you enjoy the content we've been providing, please consider making a listener contribution. All funds will be put to use in our local economy through the procurement of ingredients for our show exclusively from local farmers, ranchers, and food artisans. I will utilize the ingredients in the weekly cooking episode of our show. I do not receive any compensation in the form of money or product from vendors because I want to preserve the integrity of the value of their products. Thank you for your support. Hello, it's Chef Natalie here with Kylie and Monica of Fortis Farms. Hi, ladies. How are you? Hi. Super, super, Natalie. Excellent. I was hoping you could start by telling our listeners just a little bit about each of the two of you and then a bit about how the farm got started. Hi, I'm Monica Christian, and I am with the Juice Plus Tower Garden Company, and I've been with this company for about nine years. And we have the Tower Garden product, which is an aeroponic Tower Garden system um, that grows vertically. So it grows fruits and vegetables three times faster than your typical garden. So I'm passionate about this way of growing, and we decided to create a farm out of it, uh, a commercial farm. 
I'm uh, so Kylie Dahl, and um, I suppose my official title is like business development um, because that's what I'm passionate about. And um, I love gardening. Monica and I have been friends for now almost two, two years, years. Yep. like crazy. Um, there is four partners as part of Fortis Farms. And um, our passion is clearly um, farming in a non-traditional way. Excellent. And what, what year did you all found Fortis Farms? We just started. So we signed our paperwork on January 1st. And we are officially an LLC, but we did not get delivered our farm until probably late February. Oh, so you are brand, brand new. Mm -hmm. yes. That's great. And currently, what avenues are available for customers to purchase from you? We, well, it's kind of funny, Natalie, because we ended up seriously pivoting because of, um, you know, the pandemic right now. And um, we started out really trying to service um, local chefs, restaurants, and food trucks. And then we ended up having to pivot. Um, and we, we couldn't stop growing at that time. So what we did is said, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to grow and we're going to actually give produce away to the local restaurants um, and um, community gardens and also um, food trucks and stuff. So that's what we're doing right now. Excellent. Now, tell me a little bit more about what you do with community gardens. Well, we have a plot at the Remington Community Garden, and it's basically just to have fun and to show people the difference between the tower gardens versus dirt farming. So we have stuff in the dirt, and we have two tower gardens, and we're getting ready to put up a third tower garden there um, within the next week or so. And it just shows the difference of three times faster growth. Um, okay. And then we're part of the Remington market as well. So customers in Fauquier County who are looking to purchase can find you at the Remington Community Garden Farmer's Market. Yes, for sure. And that is on Saturdays right now from... From 1 to 2. Okay. Well, that's excellent. And that's such a great little place there that they've built. I think the Community Garden is going to just be a, a gathering place continually for folks in Southern Fauquier County. That is excellent. The other thing that we're doing really, um, our press release comes out this week. And with that, what we're trying to do is actually educate um, rural farmers and people that have, for example, um, you could be a family that needs three towers, or you could be a community that wants to say, oh my gosh, I can have a community garden, um, whether, it, whether it be rural or whether it be in the middle of town because there's some extra dirt or an extra place. So there's really no excuses not to be able to grow your own garden fresh, whether you're rural or in, um, an, in a little city south, in a little city um, surrounding area. So I have a confession. Um, <laughs> I aspire to have a tower garden of some sort. I am the farm to school chef for Fauquier County Public Schools. Wow. That's what I do. That is amazing. In my, yeah, that's, I mean, we, so I, you know, I didn't um, tell you anything about me before. No. This. So that is one of the things that are in my aspirations for my programming with farm to school in the school system. That is super excited. And what's really amazing is the company's mission statement is, listen, we want to make it affordable for everybody to have fresh produce. And right now, I mean, clearly it's so important for you to know where your produce is grown, who's touched your produce, and just to make it so readily available. We've got um, educational um, uh, curriculum that's really pretty easy that we can share with you, Natalie, maybe that we can help your, you know, dreams kind of grow and blossom. Even <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've been in this area for nine years now in lots of school systems and helped put towers in the school systems. And it's amazing what it really does. Depending on 
if you're in the nutritional program or the cafeteria or science, it just helps school children all throughout the school. Um, it really does make a big difference. Yeah, I can see where those are very valuable in all areas of education, really. Okay, let's take a little break. <laughs> My face is like, it needs to relax from smiling. <laughs> but I am having a good, good. time. Awesome. What school are you in? So I am farm to school chef for the entire county. Wow. The program I work for is called the Fresh Foundation. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry, the Fresh Program, Fakir reaches for I'm sorry, Fakir reaches for excellence in school health. And um, we're funded by the PATH Foundation. So, yeah, so I interface with the school nutrition department to bring more fresh and healthy menu options, usually produce centered um, and and local when possible. It's it's a slow process and I'm an impatient woman. So sometimes I get a little frustrated. I understand. We were trying for grants and then this whole thing happened. We were actually uh, James Steele at Farmers Insurance gave us the PATH Foundation information to do a grant. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they're the ones that did the original grant for the Remington garden. Yes, they are. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, that is why anytime something goes on at the Remington community garden, I am paying attention awesome. to it because I, yeah. I path loves when their programs work. They together. are working That's amazingly. And also with the tower garden, we can find you grants other than the path foundation as well. Um, yeah. Well, I have to kind of like think on whether or not I want to include that piece in the podcast because I don't want people to think that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You I'm know how people are. Like here's something and stick with it. probably help you find grants out there. Yeah, no, that, that would yeah. be something cool to explore if it if it ends up being that that's something that we can move forward with this, this year's changed a lot for our programming already, yeah. like what's been going on. Yeah. So um, things are, everything is kind of on. I hold mean, it's right on now. hold until September at least for right now. Yeah. yeah. But what other things would you like to like people to know in, in this interview? And I can think about how to set them up. I think also Natalie, what would be super important is the farmers educational side of things, because um, you know, we are really wanting to make it um, uh, easy for farmers to say, okay, I know traditional farming, but how could I increase my revenue? How could I increase the my, my ROI as to be farming? Because it's with the Tower Farms, it's, it's super easy, but it's also more... Um, uh, consistent, it uses 98% less water, you know, so your, mm-hmm. your, the crops grow quicker and, um, there's just, it's more consistent. We spend all this money on our traditional farm and it never quite produces, produces like crops. it's supposed to be because it's either too right. rainy or too <laughs> dry. Or so many factors. Factors. The tower garden pretty surely is mm-hmm. always consistent no matter what. And are there, just so I know, because I haven't actually looked into this too much, because the, the garden that I was looking at was a, a soil-based tower garden. Um, so with the the tower garden that you all have, um, are there limits to what kind of products can be grown yes. in them? So if it's a root vegetable, you then it can't be grown. We grow strawberries. Okay. Um but, and we're doing really, really well with those. Like at the community garden in Remington, we've got one tower that specifically only has strawberries. Right. And we've already had two little strawberries that somebody else picked because we didn't pick them quick enough. Um, so <laughs> Was it a I squirrel? <laughs> well, like, we're hoping that whoever enjoyed those strawberries loved them. So that's okay. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the setup of your farm? Okay. Um, we have 10 towers inside uh, that will be growing all year inside. Um, that's pretty much for our lettuce crops. And then we also have 10 towers outside as well. And that's where we'll be growing our tomatoes, our cucumbers. Right now we're growing lettuce as well. And then we'll turn over into some other crops as well during the summer. It's meant to really be so that we can be um, diverse. And 
it's just been really a great experiment because again, we're new. And so we're experimenting with, hey, what's been really, really working well um, at the uh, Remington Community Garden. We've got one tower that is specifically all um, strawberries. And then the other tower has got a mix of um, everything from uh, what we what we thought is a fun experiment is we've got some things underground in the ground in the dirt. For example, uh, we planted our cucumbers perhaps a little too early in the dirt right now, but we've got spring onions, we've got carrots, we've no, got we um, we oh we don't have carrots in we our have garden. Kale, kale, uh, radishes, mm -hmm. two different types of radishes, potatoes. At the same time we planted the kale in the tower garden versus the kale in the ground. And it's amazing the difference. You can really see the growth, how much faster it is in the tower. So from a farmer's perspective and someone who's going to sell at a farmer's market, this is really a good way to kind of bump up your production sure. a little bit. Absolutely. And one thing to do is like maybe for farmers to wait to look at it, because again, it's not like, oh, you know, one method is better than the other, right. which is, but it is definitely a way to grow your own seedlings and to bump up the time span because you can plant something and we have documented like three days later, poof, that baby is up and within four to five days, you've got it, you know, you've got something that you can stick in the ground. So it's really amazing on the, the, the speed of the plants when you start out in the tower garden. We have seed to lettuce in three weeks. What size about is that head of lettuce looking like? Um, you know what? That's interesting. What we do is um, we've got like, um, how big is our little bags? Uh, like a Ziploc bag size. Like a gallon. A gallon mm -hmm. size. Like right now I'm looking at my tower garden and I could easily fill up a bag of um, purple kale and, the, or sorry, purple bok choy and then the traditional bok choy. And I could easily get, two or three gallons of them. It's, it's like crazy. That's a, that's a nice amount. It is. Production. It is. We've done really well with the mixed herbs as well. So like this um, week at the Remington garden, uh, the Remington uh, community garden, we'll be doing a bag or two of the mixed herbs. And so right now we're doing kind of like, Hey, a donation or pay what you can afford. What a nice option for customers. That is I think that is maybe the first I've heard of that as a farmer's market. <laughs> well, we got to, we got to like pivot in today's times. You know what, Natalie, right now we are just super passionate about sharing what we do, sharing our passion and having people join our community. So Kylie or Monica, can you tell me a little bit about the products you currently sell at the farmer's market? And then also how we can get those products to customers or how customers can come okay. and get them from you. Um, we have a great program that's text to order. You just text my phone number and our website has what we have available. And then we have curbside drop off or we will meet you somewhere. Um, right now we currently have hot joy, different herbs, lettuce, and we're starting to grow all your tomatoes um kale and cucumbers what else do we have uh we've got some basil which of course you already mentioned also um arugula and also cilantro great and what is the website that they can go to to look it at? is um dub 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 of course and grow farms.com and that's fortis f-o-r-t-i-s-a-r-m-s farms.com yeah. uh, and what's fun is like just like growing a farm you're gonna see it changes every day so we try to you know every few days update the website which is really fun about real plants growing real produce you're gonna see your spinach you're gonna see the lettuce you're gonna see the cilantro that you're gonna be picking up whenever it is that you text us and say great I'm, I'm I, uh, I need some lettuce here here where can I meet you so the only other thing I think we need to be ready to order from you is the phone number okay. which we can text That's you. 540-409-6871. And that's going to be yeah. a text to Monica that's at Fortis Farms. And also a big thing we've been doing, especially with the restaurants or people that are interested, if there's something specific you want us to grow, 
let us know. We're interested to know what people want in the market and we're willing to grow it for them as well. Oh, I bet people will certainly. We're just, we've got that. a big order for growing some uh, Thai basil. That's <laughs> a fun. Oh, you know, and that's something that is hard really to hard to find. Yeah. I always look for Thai basil for when I make summer rolls right. and Buddha bowls and things like that. And it can be a real challenge right. to find that in the grocery stores and in that, the area. So yeah. being able to purchase it from, you know, a small independent farmer right. is now, ideal. Another thing we were growing, we've been growing is red sorrel. And a lot of people like to add, it kind of tastes like a lemon and citrusy, put, citrusy mm-hmm. you put it on top of like salads or a soup and it just adds that next dimension of flavor. So I noticed that you all do a lot of updating of your product and new and cool things that you all will have on Facebook. Do you think that's the best place for people to go to see updates? I think so. I mean, uh, our area seems to be very, very Facebook driven. And so, you know what, you can, um, you can text us from the, uh, from, you can message us from uh, the Facebook app. And so, yep, absolutely. We update the site um, and the Facebook group. And we always have really, really fun videos and fun posts um, just to share with everybody in the community. So join our community and you're going to always get updated. Great. That's really convenient. Thank you so much. the guests we've heard from today participate in the Warrington Farmers Market or are located in Fauquier County, Virginia, DC's gateway to the Piedmont region. If there's something I'd really like to impart on folks who are listening, it's this. It isn't difficult to support local farmers, get the best quality fresh food, and to strengthen our local food system. And right now, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, it won't take much more time to shop at the market than it would to shop at a grocery store. It's my belief that it's a lot safer as well. There'll be less points of contact, less people touching your food and its packaging before it enters your home. Plus, you get to select everything you want from the comfort of your own home by ordering online or via email. I want to thank you for spending some time with me today, getting to know some of the agriculture and food-based businesses that weave the fabric of our local food system. I look forward to connecting you to the best of what's in season next week, right here on the Chef, Farm, and Fork podcast. I know we're only a few episodes in, but this week I have a very special episode for listeners. I know because many of you are my friends, colleagues, and folks that I associate with professionally or through my volunteer work that you all have good hearts. And with good hearts often comes generosity. There are a lot of fundraisers going on right now, and if food and getting that food to those who do not have enough resources to purchase food means a lot to you, I have the perfect opportunity for you to exercise your generosity. There is a day coming up soon to promote giving to local nonprofits connected directly to our community that's called Give Local Piedmont. It's organized and executed by the Northern Piedmont Community Foundation and is coming up on May 5th. I do want to mention you can visit the website and donate right after you listen to this episode. They do this to connect folks to organizations that align with their values that depend on financial support from the public. Some of you may know my nine to five is in Fauquier County where I serve as the farm to school chef for the FRESH program. That stands for Fauquier Reaches for Excellence in School Health. The program I work for is funded almost entirely by the PATH Foundation. PATH stands for Piedmont Action to Health. My guests today also all receive some level of funding from the PATH Foundation. PATH provides support, both financial and educational, to programs that align. PATH provides resources, both financial and educational, to programs that support the mission of their organization. 
However, oftentimes nonprofits who receive assistance from PATH need to diversify their funding sources for many reasons. We won't get into the benefits of diversification of funding here, but what I do want you to know is that many of these organizations rely on folks like you and me. We're just middle-class working folks who happen to believe strongly in supporting organizations that lift up everyone in our community to make access to food and health inclusive for all. And many of us have a soft spot for organizations that contribute to one of our most valuable assets on the planet, children. And what is one of the most important needs that we need to meet for children? Food. We need them to be food secure so that they can expend their energy on developing into healthy young adults, into healthy young adults and continue those healthy habits to be healthy, mature adults. Today, the three organizations that are our guests are here to tell you about how they are helping fight food insecurity and ultimately working towards health equity for children and adults. These organizations are the Fauquier Education Farm, the Fauquier Community Food Bank and Thrift Shop, and Fauquier Fish, which includes Weekend Power Pack. Fish stands for For Immediate Sympathetic Help. We're going to take you on the journey that the food takes to get to the folks who need it. From the learning opportunities that happen on the education farm that lead to the nurturing and ultimate harvest of nutritious, fresh produce, to the shelves and refrigerators of two different but equally impactful food pantries. From the folks at the food pantries, we will learn about why these missions are so important to our community and how the food they provide does so much more than fill empty bellies. Thank you for joining us today. I know you're going to learn a lot from our guests, and I hope that we can inspire you to support their missions through donation on Give Local Piedmont Day on May 5th or right now.